Hello and welcome back to the College Football 365 podcast. I'm your host, Don't Count Crowley. He's your co-host, Anthony Azan. We're back here today to talk about all the latest news in college football. And we're going to talk about some college football recruiting as well and some teams we're going to be looking uh, closely at this spring as uh, spring camps begin. Uh, Anthony, I guess let's just dive right into the news portion of our episode here. And we're going to actually start with something that just broke about uh, five, ten minutes before we jumped on here, and that's that Kansas has placed less miles on administrative leave uh, due to the Title IX report at LSU that had some pretty damning evidence or information, I should say, regarding Miles during his time at Baton Rouge. And uh, it, it really all comes back to him having some uh, highly inappropriate behavior and contact with female students. And it ultimately resulted in him being banned from contacting female students during his time at LSU. And now Kansas will be conducting its own investigation. Obviously a, uh, a very highly touchy subject here, which uh, there's still a lot of information being gathered. And uh, I haven't fully read the report, so I, I can't speak too much of, on it. But do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I can't speak fully on it either because I haven't I haven't read the reports either. But you know, if these allegations are true, which based off the volume of allegations to this point, it seems like there has to at least be some level of truth to it, but I'll, we'll let the investigation play out, obviously, before we draw conclusions. Um, th- these are very serious. This is a very serious issue. Um, and uh, Les Miles could be in a lot of trouble at, at, at Kansas. Um, obviously, his career at LSU was considered a very successful one, and this would be a very a very dark stain on, on that time in Baton Rouge. And, you know, it's just a really unfortunate situation. And, you know, it, it We'll, we'll let the investigation play out before we talk about it further. Absolutely. We'll, we'll definitely talk about it after more information comes out and uh, everything plays out. But uh, something to very much to keep an eye off on there uh, regarding Les Miles, LSU, and Kansas as a whole. Um, now into some transfer news. Uh, actually, four transfers here to quickly discuss. The first being that uh, a former Auburn defensive end, uh, Big Cat Bryant, one of the best names in all of college football. He's headed to UCF where he'll once again play under uh, head coach Gus Malzahn. Uh, I mean, this is a nice big pickup for UCF, bringing in some uh, legit power five talent. Uh, high, uh, one is a very coveted recruit. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is uh, really big for uh, UCF there and a, a great get for Gus Malzahn and his staff. Yeah, I think this is a great get for UCF. Uh, Big Cat Bryant was originally going to go to Tennessee before the whole coaching staff turnover and all the whole recruiting allegation situation went down there. Um, obviously, he didn't want to be a part of that, and I really can't blame him for that. So there was talks of him going to Oklahoma potentially. Obviously, that didn't happen for whatever reason, but this is a great pickup for UCF and uh, Gus Malzahn. I think Malzahn's going to be super successful at UCF, and uh, this is just another piece for Excellent. that defensive line for them going into next season. Uh, yeah, and he is a guy who's versatile. I mean, he started his career at Auburn as a linebacker. He moved to defensive end. He's played in um, 36 games, I believe. Uh, only 56 tackles, but he has 11.5 tackles for a loss. 
in those 56, and he also has 10 sacks and uh, three interceptions. So this guy is versatile, and he he can make plays uh, both uh, at uh, on the line of scrimmage and then in the second level. So yeah, a nice big pickup for UCF. Um, second, we got the first quarterback transfer here to talk about, and that is that tech, former Texas Tech quarterback Alan Bowman is now headed to Michigan, uh, where I, I'm assuming he's going to be their starting quarterback next year. Bowman, uh, a former three-star recruit, uh, has been the starting quarterback there at Texas Tech for most of the last three years when healthy. Uh, 67% completion percentage for his career over 713 attempts over 5,000 career passing yards, 33 touchdowns to 17 interceptions. So not the best quarter, uh, touchdown interception ratio does have some injury history as well, but on paper, uh, this is again, a nice pickup for Michigan. Uh, we'll see if it's the answer. It feels like they've had a ton of quarterbacks there during Jim Harbaugh's time. And for being a quarterback whisperer, They've never found the guy, uh, and I don't know if Bowman is the guy either, but uh, I feel like this may be the best quarterback they've actually had under Harbaugh in, in yes, terms sir. of pure talent, pure talent. See, for me, this is an interesting move by Michigan. I don't think See, I thought this was a really interesting move by Michigan. I don't think anybody really expected them to go after Alan Bowman. Um, I guess it makes sense, though, when you think about it, because they lost Joe Milton to the transfer portal. They lost uh, Dylan McCaffrey to the transfer portal. So they were down two quarterbacks, and they needed a body in the room. Um, I think it's going to be – we can talk about this a little later on as well when we get into our uh, things to watch in the spring. But I think it's going to be a very interesting quarterback battle going into uh, next fall for Michigan. I think Bowman – Probably could be considered uh, the guy to beat right now, but um, Harbaugh's definitely got some decisions to make going into next season. Absolutely. I mean, they they are bringing in five-star quarterback uh, J.J. McCarthy as well. So that that could be an interesting quarterback battle watch, but I feel like Bowman wouldn't have gone to Michigan unless he had a pretty good feeling or indication that he would be starting this upcoming season. So we'll have to wait and see. But, uh, I mean – Obviously, Shea Patterson was the most talented quarterback Penn State ever had. Not Penn State, Michigan ever had on paper. Uh, but uh, I think Alan Bowman has maybe more upside and arm talent than though than any other quarterback they've had uh, during Harbaugh's time there. So that would definitely be something to watch. Um, another quarterback who recently transferred, uh, Tyler Show, is uh, has actually gone to. Alan Bowman's former home in uh, Lubbock, and he's going to be a Texas Tech Red Raider. I didn't, I did not see this one coming at all. I, I thought he was going to end up at a pretty decent Power Five program, whether that be uh, an Auburn, a Penn State, uh, uh, anything along those lines. But he, he picks Texas Tech, which I, it's just an interesting fit in my mind, and uh, I, I'm. I'm just not sure how he's going to fit what they're trying to do down there in Lubbock. And yeah, yeah, this is a very intriguing one overall to me. I mean, we're kind of flipped on this. I kind of like the pickup by Texas Tech. You know, Bowman goes out, show comes in. Um, I think this no, is a good yeah, pickup. Yeah. I think this is a good pickup for Texas Tech. Um, I think he'll, you know, he's going to come in. He'll definitely be the starter going into next season. 
Um, I, I think so. It, it'll be interesting to see next year how he does because last year was kind of a tale of two halves of the season for him. Obviously, it was a very Absolutely. short season for Oregon in the Pac-12, but the first half of the season, he did really, really well. And in the second half of the season, he completely fell off a cliff and like even got benched uh, in the in their bowl game. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how he does. But if he if he is the guy that um, if Texas Tech gets the guy that um, Show was in the first half of the season for Oregon last year, Texas Tech has a pretty solid quarterback in my opinion. No, absolutely. From Texas Tech's vantage point, I love this pickup. I just I, I wasn't expecting this. To be the destination for him, uh, I'm intrigued. If this was more of a, he knows going in, he's the starter, or uh, or maybe the interest from the other programs just wasn't there. Uh, I, it's just from that aspect that I I'm intrigued by it. But for Texas Tech, this is a fantastic pickup, especially if he plays at that level that he did in the first four games there for Oregon, where he threw. Uh, 10 touchdowns to three interceptions. Uh, and he was completing well over 60% of his passes. And then, like you said, over those last uh, two games in the regular season and in the bowl game, he kind of struggled. And it was, like you said, a tale of two different halves. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a good pickup for Texas Tech. Uh, and we'll see how he plays uh, next year. And then, finally, Alabama linebacker Ben Davis has landed uh, – at Texas, where he'll play under former Alabama offense coordinator uh, Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, what do you think about Davis heading to uh, Austin? Yeah, this is really recent news, actually. It just broke like a day ago. I actually just saw it on Twitter a couple hours ago. It kind of flew under the radar. But um, Ben Davis was a former five-star top 20 player in the country. Um, he obviously didn't never had a chance to break through at Alabama, never was able to cement himself amongst those starting linebackers. But um, he was a guy that garnered a lot of interest in the portal, from what I read. And it looks like Texas is going to be his home, so he'll rejoin um, his former offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian down there. This is an interesting pickup for Texas. Um, I like the move. Um, if Ben Davis can put it together, Texas has a really quality linebacker there. So we'll see how he does next year, which will probably be his first full year as a starter at the power five level and he's in his fifth season i think at the college level yeah only has seen the field for two years there at alabama at least to a a college football reference uh eight games played just seven tackles one sack uh and one pass deflection so definitely hasn't lived up to that five-star billing just yet but um it's never too late to uh, make your mark and he I think the fresh start could do him some real, real good there down in Austin. And we'll have to wait and see how that unfolds. But uh, I think that wraps up our news segment uh, here for the podcast. And let's go into college football recruiting and particularly the quarterback. So every recruiting cycle, one of the first positions that we see a ton of the top town to come off the board is the quarterback position. And right now, the dominoes in that 2022 recruiting class uh, are beginning to fall quite fast. And we've seen uh, a handful of quarterbacks over the last two weeks or so uh, commit to their uh, future homes. Uh, Five-star Ty Simpson has committed to Alabama. Five-star Cade Klubnik has committed to Clemson. 
four-star Sam Horn has committed to Missouri. Um, and then high three-star Steve Angeli has committed to Notre Dame. Uh, I mean, so those are four of the top recruited quarterbacks across the nation. Angeli, yeah, only a three-star, but he had some pretty quality offers there amongst his list. Um, and then just overall, eight of the top ten quarterbacks already committed in this class, whether you're looking at the 24-7 sports composite or just the top 24-7 uh, quarterbacks. Um, but what are your thoughts so far on this quarterback dominoes? Yeah, it was really interesting to watch over the last week. Um, it really, like you said, it was just a domino effect one after the other. It started with Ty Simpson, uh, the five-star quarterback out of Tennessee. Um, he was down basically to Alabama and Clemson, Tennessee, and Ole Miss are also involved as well. Clemson had the early momentum, but Alabama was able to steal on that momentum at the last possible moment, and they were able to get his commitment. That led to Clemson offering uh, Cade Klubnick out of Austin, Texas. He had um, been in communication with Clemson for a long time, but he never had that offer until about a week ago, and he jumped on it immediately. So that led to Clemson getting their guy. It's amazing how Clemson can just offer a guy like that, Cade Klubnick, a consensus top 50 player in the country, and he just commits a week later even though they offered so late in the game for him yeah. and then yeah, Sam Horn yeah. I was gonna say Sam Horn he committed to Missouri that one was a little bit surprising I don't know he might be playing a two sports at Missouri I think he's also a baseball player he's a pretty decent one at that but uh, that that's a right. great pickup that's a great pickup for Missouri I mean just out of nowhere that's you know he's a top 100 player so for, for Missouri to get a guy like Sam Horn, that's, that's an awesome pickup for that staff. And uh, Steve Angeli, um, out of Bergen Catholic in New Jersey, he just popped last night, I believe, committed to Notre Dame. So, uh, you know, I, I think uh, he'd been considered a Notre Dame lean for a long time. And we can talk about Drew Allar in a moment but um, and what that means for him. But uh, Angeli committing to Notre Dame probably has um, a residual effect for a guy like Drew Allar as well. Yeah, we'll get like you said, we'll get to Drew Allar in a minute. Uh, but I guess just we'll, we'll quickly recap where the top uh, eight committed quarterbacks are all going. So, uh, but this is according to the twenty four seven Sports composite rankings. Uh, number one quarterback in the country, also the top prospect in the country, considered a perfect recruit, pretty much. Quinn Ewers out of South Lake Carroll in South Lake Texas, he's going to Ohio State. Gunnar Stockton, number two quarterback, number 20 overall. He's headed to Georgia. Number 22 overall, number three quarterback, Walker Howard out of Lafayette, Louisiana. He's headed to LSU. As we just mentioned a little bit ago, five-star quarterback, number 27 overall. Uh, and the fourth quarterback, Ty Simpson out of Martin, Tennessee. He's headed to Alabama. Gardena, California quarterback, Malik Murphy, another five-star, number 34 overall. Uh, he's headed to Texas. Connor Wagman, number 71 overall, and the sixth-ranked quarterback. Uh, he's headed to Texas A&M. Uh, number seven, quarterback in the country, number 74 overall, Cade Klubnik, as we just said, out of Westlake in Austin, Texas. Um, head to Clemson, and then Sam Horn, like we also just said, out of Sewanee. Georgia is headed to Missouri, and uh, just a note on Klubnik there, uh, Westlake High School. That is potentially 
one of the best high schools in all call in all of high school football when it comes to producing quarterbacks. If I'm correct, Nick Foles is out of Westlake High School, and I believe Drew Brees is out of Westlake High School as well. Um, and then the two quarterbacks in the composite rankings that are not committed right now that are in the top 10 are uh, Owensboro, Kentucky native Gavin Wimsett and, and Atlanta, Georgia uh, native MJ Morris. Uh, but the one quarterback you mentioned and uh, is worth talking about here because he has skyrocketed up the rankings. He's somebody, if you follow our Twitter account, we have been talking about him for a while. We mentioned him on some previous podcasts. That is uh, Medina, Ohio quarterback Drew Allar. And uh, I think his upside, Anthony, is truly remarkable. Uh, but he is a quarterback who I think – we are going to see commit anytime in the next two weeks. I think uh, for those who don't know, he I think it's safe to say Anthony is a heavy Penn State lean here. And the reason you brought up him uh, in terms of Steve Angeli is the one school that seemed to be right there, maybe not right there at Penn State, but was given uh, Alar some thought was Notre Dame. Uh, but now with Angeli headed to Notre Dame, uh, it seems like Penn State is solely in the driver's seat here and is going to land LR sometime soon. I don't know if it's going to be next week, two weeks, uh, but I think sometime this month he's committed. Yeah, Drew Alar out of Medina, Ohio. He's 6'5", 220. So he's got ideal size for a quarterback prospect. Um, yeah. He was a mid-three-star up until like the latest rankings update. And in 24-7's rankings alone – he skyrocketed 364 spots up to number 89 overall in the country. He's now a 94-rated quarterback, according to 24-7. He's a 91, according to the composite. So, yeah, he took a huge leap in the latest round of rankings updates. So that you can see that they clearly think highly of him in the ranking services. And he could continue to rise as well, depending on how he does in the camp circuit and going into his senior season. But, yeah, this one was, was perceived to be a Penn State-Notre Dame battle. Um, but with Notre Dame um, uh, getting a commitment from Steve Angeli or taking Steve Angeli, I, I think that kind of gives an indication that Penn State should be the team to beat right now. Uh, they have two crystal balls, according to 24-7, a couple of future casts on rivals. So, yeah, uh, when he commits, we don't know yet, but it looks like Penn State's definitely in the driver's seat. And a lot of that has to do with his connections to Penn State offense coordinator, Mike Yurkich, which go all the way back to uh, Yurkich's time as Ohio at, at Ohio State. Yeah, and actually, uh, I I was talking to a uh, a high school scout in Ohio yesterday, and he he said to me that uh, that he that uh, Yurkich was pretty high, like you said, on him before, but uh, he was about to offer him when Yurkich was at Texas uh, with Tom Herman. Uh, before that staff, uh, you know, everything blew up down there in Texas. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this is somebody who has a high, highly great relationship with uh, Yurcich, and uh, and that's why, like you said, Penn State's probably in the driver's seat here. It is worth knowing Penn State already does have a quarterback commitment from four-star quarterback Bo Prabula out of Central York in Pennsylvania. But um, Prabula... Grew up a Penn State fan, 
So I'm not sure this is going to truly affect him right now. Uh, but it, between those two, Penn State is, has a nice quarterback hole probably coming in 2022. Yeah, I mean, for Penn State's room right now, they need some good quarterbacks coming in. Right now, they're currently down to three scholarship quarterbacks. So um, we'll see if they take a transfer at all uh, over the next couple of months. But, yeah, they definitely need some quality quarterbacks in the next cycle, and, and they might have those guys in Drew Alar and Bo Perbula. And that's in no small part to Mike Yurkich and his ability on the trail to recruit quality quarterbacks. Absolutely. And it is also worth noting that uh... – Penn State commitments, especially uh, defensive end Cantale, has been hyping up Penn State fans on Twitter over the last few days saying that uh, there's some big news coming. So uh, that makes me think LR could pop anytime, uh, but there are some other targets uh, that Penn State has been going after that could also be it. But we'll wait and see. Uh, and uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter because whenever there are major commitments across the college football world, we're on top of it. Uh, other quarterbacks, like we said, that are uh, uncommitted in that top 10, uh, MJ Morris down in Atlanta. Uh, it's hard to tell where his recruitment is right now, but uh, one would have to think that he may try to make a commitment. I don't, I'm not even saying this spring, but I would say maybe by the time summer starts, uh, if that's what it seems like top quarterbacks try to get their commitments in so they can help build classes. And then Gavin Winsett out of Kentucky, as previously mentioned. Steve Wiltfong at 24-7 Sports. It was a VIP article, so we can't really give out any of that information. But through the headline alone, it's saying that uh, Winsett is closing in on a decision of his own. Uh, and I believe the crystal balls there are pointed towards him staying home and playing at Kentucky. So that would be a nice big commitment for Kentucky there, Anthony. Yeah, uh, Wimsett, um, I don't want to give away too much about from the article, but uh, schools like Kentucky, according to like which teams are warm for him, schools like Kentucky, yeah. Cincinnati, Rutgers, I think Ole Miss is in there as well. Georgia Tech is sure. warm. So uh, those are the schools involved in his recruitment. Uh, again, he's from Kentucky, and he has the Kentucky crystal ball, which was just put in by a Kentucky insider, I think about a day ago. So it's, you know, it's possible that Kentucky has the momentum or is perceived to be the favorite going into a potential decision. But, um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see on that one. I don't have a ton of information on that. But uh, we can talk about him more once he does eventually make a commitment, whenever that may be. It's also worth noting that overall on Rivals, he has uh, a 100% future cast for Kentucky. Uh, and um, – and- the two of them most recently as of today, uh, which by yeah, the way, we are recording this on Friday, March 5th. So for those wondering. Yeah, that's usually a pretty strong indicator. So I would say Kentucky is probably the favorite going into a decision. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we're, we'll be pushing this episode out on Saturday, but uh, we'll be pushing again out on Monday as well so if you uh, are a little late don't worry uh you haven't really missed much uh but that being said let's go into discussion number two uh for uh this podcast and our last discussion here for the day and that's teams that we're going to be watching closely this spring anthony coming off the 2020 season it's hard to really say what teams are going to be good and what teams are going to be bad 
this upcoming season because the 2020 year was just such a uh, well, it was a cluster, you know what, and a lot of teams that are usually good struggle, and a lot of teams that are, uh, I don't know, well, I guess there wasn't really many teams that came out of nowhere, but uh, that being said, I don't know how much we could actually take away from last year, and that creates some interesting questions regarding this upcoming season. Uh, now, I think only one of those, two or two of those teams really fit the mold we're talking about here. But uh, we have six teams here that we're keeping an eye on. Uh, let, let's just get into it and break them down. Why? So the first one here, we're just going to group three teams actually together. So I guess it's truly nine teams. But those three teams are the big three, the Big Ten East, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Uh, it kind of all comes back to, to the same thing, and that's quarterback. Uh, I guess let's start at Ohio State here. Uh, the big question for them entering this spring is who's going to be the quarterback in 2021, correct? Yeah, I'd say Ohio State of the three has the, the more favorable situation to be in. Um, obviously, replacing Justin Fields is going to be no easy task for Ohio State. You know, Justin Fields was a top five pick. He's going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft, so it's always hard to replace a guy like that. But you know, you've got three quality contenders in C.J. Stroud, former five-star in the class of 2020, former four-star Jack Miller, and uh, 2021 five-star uh, true freshman Kyle McCord out of uh, St. Joseph's Prep in Philly. So yeah. it's going to be those three guys competing for a starting spot. Personally, I think C.J. Stroud is going to win that competition. He was the primary backup last year to Justin Fields. But um, it, it'll definitely be a battle going into the fall. and as much as I think Stroud's the favorite, it could be anyone's to, to lose, honestly. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised additionally if they if we see one of those uh one of Stroud, Miller, McCord, whoever doesn't win that job, uh one of those backups ended up transferring out. Because that that is a loaded quarterback room. And Stroud, you're gonna at least be the whoever not not even Stroud, but Stroud, Miller, uh if they win, they have at least two years as the starter. If they play well, McCord, he would have three years. So um, I, I could definitely see somebody leaving if not. But at the end of the day, this is just really about not if Ohio State's going to be good next year. It's just about who's going to be the quarterback. Whoever's playing is going to be maybe not an elite superstar quarterback like Justin Fields, but they're going to be a pretty damn good quarterback. And Ohio State's not really going to miss a no matter who's back there. And I'm just going to say, I wouldn't be surprised if not one, but by next offseason, two of those three have transferred out because the guy they got coming in in the class of 2022 just so happens to be one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen since Trevor Lawrence. He's actually drawn a lot of comparisons to Trevor Lawrence and Quinn Ewers, and he ain't coming to sit the bench. So, um, you know, if whoever wins oh, that's that a great job... Point. Whoever wins that job this year, they're not exactly secure for the next couple of years. It's, they're going to have to hold their job with viewers coming in. Absolutely. Town. Great point. Absolutely. Um, all right. Michigan. Uh, we talked about them a little earlier. Alan Bowman coming into Ann Arbor there. Will he be the starting quarterback? We're not sure. Uh, other quarterbacks they have there on the roster, five star incoming freshman, five star J.J. McCarthy. Uh, did he was he an early enrollee? 
Yes, he's currently on campus. Okay. Uh, Cade McNamara, who played a little bit this year uh, as well. Um, and I, I'd say those, those three, Bowman, McNamara, and McCarthy, is probably who the quarterback battle is going to be between here. Uh, they have a couple other scholarship guys on the roster, but don't think they're going to uh, really have much of a say in the competition. Um, what's your take on this Michigan battle? Because, I mean, I, McNamara – what seemed nice last year, he did some nice things, but I, I don't know if he's got the skill set to be the guy. So I think it comes down to uh, McCarthy and Bowman. Yeah, this is why Bowman transferring to Michigan was such a, not a head scratcher, but such an interesting move by Bowman for me personally, because he's not guaranteed the starting job by any stretch. And when you're a grad transfer like he is, and I think he's only got one more year of eligibility, you want to go to a school where you're basically guaranteed to start. And I give him a lot of credit for being willing to compete, but it's kind of a risk as well. So I'm going to look at the other guys because we talked about Bowman a little bit earlier. Uh, McNamara, I think he did some decent things last year uh, for Michigan. I mean, he wasn't great necessarily but you know I, I think he was he was decent and I think he's definitely earned a chance to to compete for the starting job this year and then JJ McCarthy is you know five-star freshman a lot of potential there a lot of hype for him going into his Michigan career there's a chance Harbaugh could be tempted to you know to pull the trigger on a guy like McCarthy and just try to develop him over the next few years and so it'll be really interesting. I think the Michigan quarterback battle is one of the most interesting battles going into next season for me personally. Absolutely. And the other thing with Michigan also is they're coming off an absolute horrible season. And like I said before, it's hard to say how much can we actually take away from the 2020 season, but it was a horrible season for them there in Ann Arbor. Uh, and this is going to be a big season, even though he just got that extension. Uh, but can Harbaugh write this ship in Ann Arbor? If they have another bad season, it's going to get dicey up there, and they're going to have some problems, I feel, uh, for whether it's from the fan base, in the roster, um, so on and so forth. I think it get a little dicey up there if they have another offseason. Um, and then finally in the Big Ten East, also Penn State there, uh, kind of like Michigan here. Uh was last season a one-time thing? Was it just a one-down season? Now they're going to return to being a elite program that has a chance to be in the college football playoffs? Um, we'll have to see. But also, a lot of that's going to come down to, can Sean Clifford improve? They haven't brought in any transfer quarterbacks. They've lost uh, three scholarship quarterbacks over the last 12 months. And while they brought in a nice four-star quarterback in Christian Velu, I'm not sure he's ready to step in as a true freshman, especially not after having a junior season and playing uh, this upcoming season. So they're, they're going to be left with Sean Clifford or uh, Ted Quan Robertson, who they haven't really given a shot to play even last year when everybody else was struggling. Yeah, I'm not convinced that Penn State isn't going to bring in a transfer quarterback. I just think, you know, they haven't found a guy that they think is better than Sean Clifford. That's just my like guess. But 
Yeah, I mean, for Penn State, you know, they came off a tough season. They went four and five last year. A big part of that was because of very subpar quarterback play. Sean Clifford had a bad season. Uh, There's no other way to say it. And a lot of their success next year is going to hinge on whether he can turn it around. Uh, And that's a big part of the reason why Mike Yurkich was brought in was to get a guy like Clifford right again. Um, And if he can do that, Mike Yurkich is a miracle worker because Clifford, the first half of that season last year, looked very, very bad. He was a turnover machine. So, you know, we'll see going into next year. This is the only one out of the three that right now there's no quarterback battle per se unless Taquan Roberson takes a huge step forward. Because like you said, Rayu is yep. not going to be ready as a true freshman. He's considered to be probably a two to three year guy before he's ready to go. But, you know, that's a lot of their success next year is going to hinge on the steps that Sean Clifford can take. Absolutely. And uh, I really couldn't say much better than you just did. So. Uh, let's move on. You you can present our next team here. Yeah, so the next team on our list that we're watching closely is uh, Florida State. Obviously, Florida State's been a train wreck for the last couple of years. Ever since the 2017 season, Florida State's been in what would be considered probably like a downward spiral for a program. But, uh, you know, there is hope on the horizon. Uh, things weren't, you know, they didn't they didn't do well last year, but you know, Mike Norvell looks to be slowly but surely turning things around. They're doing they're doing a really good job recruiting in the 2022 cycle so far, um, and they brought in a transfer quarterback in Mackenzie Milton uh, from UCF, who was obviously coming off a devastating injury uh, that kept him out for over a year, but uh, he was recently cleared uh, for all football activities. I think this was like as of today, he was cleared. He's been participating with Florida State, you know, with their, all of their activities in the offseason, all their workouts. And if he can get right, and if Mackenzie Milton is back to what he was, or is at least over 60 to 70% of what he was at UCF, he could be the piece that turns Florida State around and makes them a contending program in the ACC again. I, I think he's that good. But uh, it's a big question mark, but it's absolutely a gamble that Florida State should take. Oh, no, absolutely. And uh, like you said, it's the biggest question mark for them with Milton is just, is he, after two years away from the game, is he going to be able to come back and play at the high level that he once played at? Chances are, no. I don't think, I don't think Florida State fans should expect Mackenzie Millen to play like he did that one season for UCF. But if, even if he could come in and give half of that or 60%, 70% of what he had that year, they'll be fine at quarterback. Uh, but the other big question with this Florida State program is, can that defense take any resemblance of step forward? They allowed 36 points per game this year. They allowed 456 yards per game. Um, and they got torched through the air, the air almost every game alone, on average 257 yards. So this defense has a ton of st- a ton of a ton of improvement that has to be made uh, for them to have any type of resemblance of a defense out there, and it's it's been a good three year stretch now that they've had mediocre to bad defenses, and it you can do everything on the wor- in the world on offense, but if your defense is giving up nearly forty points per game, it's not going to matter. And so that's outside of quarterback. I'm going to be watching closely for Florida State, how that defense is coming together. 
Yeah, and I will say Florida State put a huge emphasis on the transfer portal this offseason. They brought in eight transfers, and five of them are on the defensive side of the ball, including three in the secondary. So clearly Florida State has recognized that they have issues on the defensive side of the ball, specifically in the secondary, in my opinion. And uh, they've taken steps to try to fix that. So we'll see if that pays off for them this year. I think they'll show some improvements. It's not going to fix all of their issues, but it'll at least throw somewhat of a Band-Aid on it, in my opinion. Absolutely. no. They, they, they've done great in bringing in the talent potentially needed to help fix everything, but will it be enough is the ultimate question. Uh, moving on, we go to Georgia Tech, a team obviously I'm very familiar with because of my writing. But uh, I, I'll go over this one quickly. Uh, I'm not sure if you'll have any thoughts on them. But for this, it comes down to, while Jeff Collins is by no means on a hot seat entering this year, uh, entering year three now, he's going to be expected to take a few steps forward on the while the program is on the field. They went three and seven this year. In 2019, their first year under Collins, they went three and nine. So back-to-back three-win seasons. The offense took a little bit of a step forward this year. They have some nice pieces there. And Jeff Sims, uh, Jameer Gibbs, Jordan Mason, Jamius Griffin, those those last three all being running backs. Uh, they also have um, wide receivers Malachi Carter, Adonica Sanders, uh, and Marquise Azard. But uh, they have the pieces there, but the play calling offensively wasn't all that great at times last year. Jeff Sims, as a true freshman, did turn over the ball quite a bit early on. He did improve a lot down the stretch. Uh, but more importantly, something we just talked about with Florida State, this Georgia Tech defense has just been uh, atrocious. Both of the last two seasons allowed 32.4 points per game in 2019, allowed 36.8 points per game this past season. Jeff Collins is supposed to be a defensive-minded head coach, was one of the best defensive coordinators in the country when he was one. Uh, a great secondary coach. Uh, but so far at Georgia Tech, the defenses have been very bad, and the secondary play has left a lot to be desired. And, if again, your offense could put up all the points in the world, but if your defense can't stop anybody, you're going to have a tough time w- winning games. I know the ACC isn't the most – isn't the deepest conference in the country, uh, but – a lot of the teams are still solid, and a lot of teams will be able to put up points on bad defenses. And there you have it. But now, um, obviously, Dylan writes for Yellow Jacked Up, which is a Georgia Tech blog. Not blog. What is it? A Georgia Tech like site? How would you describe it? It's a Georgia it's Tech. A, it's a news site. We'll go with news site. Yeah, so he, he writes for Georgia Tech, so he follows them very closely. As a casual fan uh, looking at Georgia Tech, I would say yeah. uh, Jeff Sims and Jameer Gibbs are fun to watch, and it'll be interesting to watch their development going into next season and how that offense progresses and with his second year at the helm. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, let, let's, I, just, I just talked there for a couple minutes, so well, let, let's allow you to talk now. Who's up next? Up next, another team we're watching closely is uh, the Tennessee Volunteers, and we're watching them closely for for obvious reasons. Number one, um, all of how all the recruiting violations and how that affected 
not just the coaching staff turnover with head coach Jeremy Pruitt uh, being let go, but also a lot of players decided to leave. A lot of key players on that team, guys like Wanya Morris, um, key recruits like Dylan Brooks and Cody Brown. Um, a lot of a lot of turnover there at Tennessee, and a lot of star power. Henry Toto, to um, Kavarius Crouch. Um, there are more as well. Keyshawn Lawrence, a key safety for them. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how that affects Tennessee going into next season. Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on Tennessee? Yeah, I mean, Tennessee is in uh, – I, I mean, what can you say about a program of Tennessee's stature that's only had uh, two winning seasons – three winning seasons in the last – four, sorry, four winning seasons in the last decade. I mean uh, – Hitting off forty percent of your season in terms of winning seasons isn't going to cut it when you're a program like Tennessee. Now they're on their what is it, uh, one, two, three, four, fifth full time head coach in ten years. Um, it's what a mess up there in Knoxville. The roster turnover uh, is going to make it that much harder for Josh Heupel there. I wasn't a huge fan of the Heupel hire to begin with, because I, I don't think. He really showed anything that UCF that made me think he it can be a top power five head coach. I mean, he he didn't really replace talent all that well, and UCF has slowly declined under his leadership. Uh, well, under his leadership, and I I just there's a lot of questions throughout this entire program. And I, I just don't even know where to start. I So I guess overall for me, what I'm just looking for is uh, how is Hypo going to run that program? Uh, who are they going to turn to to be their uh, starting quarterback this year and to be their uh, who, – who's going to step up and replace all these guys who were expected to be big-time contributors this upcoming season? There's just uh, so many questions everywhere regarding that program. Yeah, it's never a good thing uh, for your program if the team that your current coach left is considered to have upgraded with their new hire. You know, UCF is considered to have upgraded by hiring Gus Malzahn over Heupel. And yeah, I think we all knew that the Heupel hire was a questionable one at best. And a lot of that is probably because nobody else really wanted the job. Um, they definitely cycled through a few names before they got to Hypel, and uh, including with their, you know, staff hiring, you know, you know, they, they had definitely, hi- they definitely uh, went through a few defensive coordinator names before they landed on Tim Banks, no offense to Tim Banks, but, yeah. you know, it's going to be interesting to see, I, I don't want to say how bad it gets for Tennessee, but it's, I don't think it's going to be a fun season for volunteer fans. Yeah, no. It, it, are we going to see another three, four win season out of them, or I mean, are they going to surprise some people? Get to five? I, I just, it, it can be a very ugly season up there in Rocky Top. Um, let's move on. Next up, another team with a new head coach. That is the Auburn Tigers. Uh, I another hire. I don't love. I think, uh, Harson does bring some positives but i i to fire gus malzahn who is one of the only coaches in the country have shown that they could beat alabama at least 
once every five years, maybe twice every five years. Uh, it, I, I, it was a horrible decision to get rid of Malzahn. Um, Harson was an underwhelming hire, in my opinion. And then, again, quarterback play here. Bo Nix, Auburn fans, I knew, hoped he would be this uh, messiah for the program, but he has been underwhelming. And I don't see him taking any step forward, or I, I don't see him taking a big step forward to the point that Auburn's going to be able to be some type of uh, SEC contender next year. And I, I'm, I'm just interested to see how Harson also fits into the Auburn culture, how his offense and defensive philosophies will fit, and just how overall that that's going to go down there in Auburn. Yeah, I think, you know, I think it was a calculated risk on Auburn's part. I think they thought that, you know, there wouldn't be a lot of you know, coaches being let go this offseason due to the pandemic. So they took a chance and they, you know, let go of Malzahn, thinking that a lot of coaches would be interested in Auburn. And surprisingly, for a lot of us, I think there wasn't as much interest in Auburn as we thought there would be. I think a lot of coaches turned yeah. down the Auburn job for whatever reason. Guys like Billy Napier, Bill Clark, guys who you think would be interested in it. But it's going to be interesting to see uh, how Brian Harson does in his first year. Um, obviously, he's got the SEC schedule. He's got Penn State and away game at, in Happy Valley. And then you've got Alabama, who you're expected to compete with and beat on occasion. So... We'll see how he does. And then Bo Nix is going to be the key to all of this for them as well. Um, he hasn't quite lived up to the expectation that was set for him. He was thought to be the next big quarterback at Auburn. So far, it hasn't panned out that way. Um, can he take a step forward? Perhaps. But it's, it's I, like you said, I don't think it's going to be a, a big step like we all thought it would be. Absolutely. And. Um, and the other thing, not even on the field, that I'm going to be interested in see is how does Harson recruit at Auburn? To a point, Auburn will always recruit well because of the name and the brand. But I, I just, uh, I'm interested to see how he and his staff are able to recruit because if they don't recruit well, it's not going to go well in that would for that program, and uh, they'll be looking for another head coach in three to five years. Oh, yeah. I mean, at Auburn, the expectation is, you know, at least in the beat SEC, Alabama. it's beat Alabama and you have to recruit at a high level in order to do so. So, yep. yeah, like you said, it's going to be very tough if they don't. But let's get to our last team real quick. We got one more team that we're watching closely, and that is another team that had head coaching turnover this offseason, the Texas Longhorns. However, there was not any um, any intrigue, any suspense in their coaching hire. They fired Tom Herman and immediately Steve Sarkeesian was hired as the head coach within 20 minutes. But clearly, clearly there was some back channeling going on in that one to get that one done. Uh, They were not firing Tom Herman unless they had a guy waiting in the wings. Not Urban Meyer, obviously, like everybody all hoped. He's going to the NFL. But they got a guy in Steve Sarkeesian who I think can be very successful. And unlike Brian Harson in Auburn right now, Steve Sarkeesian is absolutely killing it on the recruiting trail. And we can get into that in a different episode, but he is cleaning up Texas right now to a certain degree. And for this season, though, 
a lot of Sarkeesian's success is going to hinge on uh, getting a new starting quarterback. And mm-hmm. I believe uh, the two contenders for that are, I know it's Hudson Card and it's Casey Thompson, I believe is the other one, correct? Yeah, Casey Thompson. He he balled out, at, uh, I believe, uh, once Sam Ellinger got injured in their uh, ball game. Yes, so he'll have to decide between two of those guys or one of those two for the starting quarterback job. And I'm interested to see how his offense translates to Texas. Um, obviously, the expectation for Texas is a big one. You know, their fans expect them to make the playoff, uh, to compete for the Big 12 championship. So we'll, we'll see how uh, Sark is able to um, transition back into head coaching as well, given his, his history. Yeah, and I'm interested to see especially how he uses uh, B. John Robinson uh, because Robinson's a guy who can be uh, a playmaker both in the run game and the pass game, and he can he can turn into a game-changer there for Texas if used right. So I'll be intrigued to see how they use him. And, uh, yeah, this, this is an overall interesting spot for Texas. I feel in a lot of the same ways. Sarkeesian is kind of a lot like Tom Herman, a great offensive mind, a strong recruiter uh, who've who've had success in past uh, spots. But, I mean, what Steve Sarkeesian are we going to get as head coach? Are we going to get the guy at Washington who helped rebuild that program? Or are we going to get the guy who at USC? Now, albeit USC, he had a lot of personal demons going on at the time. But his coaching at the same time uh, wasn't all that great at USC. And uh, uh, is he, A, more mature now enough to handle the head coaching responsibilities of, at a top program? And B, is he going to be able to live up to the expectations of Texas? I mean, we're talking about a program that may have unreasonable expectations. I mean... For the most part, Texas, outside of that run with Mac Brown, has never truly been an always elite program. They've had great seasons here and there, but outside of that decade-long run with Mac Brown or so, it's oh, they've. I I just think expectations need to be tempered down there in Austin overall. But uh, yeah, that quarterback battle is going to be interesting. Uh, big shoes to fill. I know a lot of people had a love-hate relationship with Sam Ellinger, uh, but at the end of the day, he's one of Texas's greatest quarterbacks all the time, especially statistically. He did a lot for that program. Uh, he went through a lot of uh, shit over his career there. And, uh, yeah, th- it's not an easy play to, place to play quarterback or head coach. Uh, so I'm interested to see how both those turn out. And uh, We know he's going to recruit. We know his teams are going to put up points. Um, but again, it's our place where defenses have their defenses have struggled lately, and uh, it's going to be as much about turning around the defense as it is about continuing the success offensively. Yeah, those are some really solid points. I love what you said about Bajan Robinson in the beginning. There, um, he's a star in the making, and um, I think he could have a big year next year for Texas, and I think he's going to be as integral to the success of that team as the new starting quarterback is going to be. So, yeah, um, that covers all of the teams. That covers all the teams that we're going to watch closely. There's probably more that'll be interesting to track, but those are the ones that we thought of. Uh, Anything to add, Dylan, before we sign off here? 
No, and I, I just add on that uh, the last Texas point you made is, yeah, yeah Bijan Robinson should absolutely help whoever's the quarterback because uh, if they use Bijan Robinson effectively and correctly, it's going to a put a lot more attention on Robinson from defenses, which should theoretically open up more passing lanes and stuff for whoever ends up being the starting quarterback to do. And as a a freshman quarterback, as it's likely going to be, um, that that's going to be highly important for their success, especially early on. But beyond that, I have I, I don't think I have anything to add. I think we could wrap this up if that's good with you. Yeah, man, uh, take us home. All right. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of the CFB three sixty five podcast. You can find us pretty much on every. Uh, streaming service uh, for podcasts that you can think of uh, Spotify, Apple, um, Google podcasts, uh, anchor breaker, overcast, pocket cast, radio public, uh, just to name. Uh, I think it's actually all of them. Uh, so you can find us on there uh, on any of those that you can leave a rating, please leave us a rating, uh, help us spread the word about our podcast. It's going to be a big year for us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CFB365. I'm sorry, CFB underscore uh, 365. Um, Follow me, uh, myself, at Dylan CC Sports. Follow Anthony at A underscore Hazan, H-A-Z-A-N 51. And be sure to interact with us on Twitter. We've been really active there recently. We're doing a ran—I don't want to say random, but a random college football player of the day uh, every day, uh, and we're always tweeting about football. Whether it's uh, right now, FCS games are on. Just for example, North Dakota State lost last week—a huge shakeup in the FCS ranks. Um, and then we're talking about coaching movement, player movement, uh, expectations, all that fun stuff. The draft is coming up, so we'll be talking about that. It's going to be a fun time to be a listener of the podcast. Be sure to interact with us. Uh, And yeah, uh, we'll be talking to you guys real soon. And have a good one and stay safe.